Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Welcome, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 32 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So again, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Now, I just want to say a little thank you. I sent out, if you're a subscriber, I sent out an email last week just asking a couple of questions. And I may just send that via Instagram and Facebook as well. But thanks so much for the, the guys that got back to me and filled in them a couple of questions for me. Just letting me know more what you want to hear on the show and what you're interested in and the issues you're having with mountain biking. It was two simple questions, but thanks so much for everybody that got involved and got back to me because at the end of the day, I'm here to make the show better for you and that really helps. So thank you so much. And if you want to subscribe to the show, simply just go to www.mtb-tribe.com. You can subscribe there. You'll get a weekly email just letting you know who's on the show that week and some show notes uh, included there and a link to the show so it's easy for you just to click through link and um, you'll also get the odd email every now and then just um, asking you a few questions or trying to get you involved and seeing what you want on the show and how I can make this thing better for you so thanks so much if you're going to do that and just another little heads up about this Saturday the 21st there is a trail maintenance day at Dava Forest, um, so if you're about and you can get involved there, please do so. Just go to mountainbikeni.com and you'll find all the info there. The day normally starts around 10 and goes on to around 4-ish in the afternoon. It's an awesome day. It's a chance to help give something back, help your trails and help the guys there maintain them. So that's a really good day, really good, fun, social, awesome day. So that will be great if I see you up there. That would be very, very cool indeed. Now, today's episode, episode number 32, is with J-Mike. And, man, I loved this episode. I loved chatting to J-Mike. You know, do, do you ever get that sense when you speak to somebody for the first time that you've known them for years? Well, that's kind of how I felt with J-Mike, um, the guy's just so easy to get on with, you know, and um, I think it comes across in the, the episode, it's just so chilled out, relaxed, it's just like two bodies having a conversation, um, and I just want to say thank you so much for J-Mike, just for being so cool, and for telling his story, we chat about everything from his MotoX background, and I find that quite interesting, because a lot of guys that get into mountain biking come from that MotoX background, so we chat a wee bit of to J Mac about that and why he thinks that happens quite a lot. We talk about mountain biking, obviously, and how you get into that from the motocross. Uh, we talk about the social aspect of mountain biking and why that played such a big part in J Mac really enjoying mountain biking and enjoying getting involved in it a wee bit more. We talk about his wins. And I run down a list of his wins, and I'll tell you what, he's had a lot of wins and a lot of awesome podium places, so check that out. We chat about his training and how different it is to everybody else. We chat about the team, his new team that he's involved with, Psychoology, a bike store, and them guys support him really well, and it's great to see that kind of local support four guys at J-Mac because he has a great character, he's great to have in the industry um, and Psychoology are a big part to play in that so 
dig up them guys, go to the show notes of the website and you'll see links to them guys and stuff. So they've got an absolutely awesome story. You need to check it out. It's very cool. We talk about that. We talk about funny stories and J-Mac's got plenty of them. He's plenty of experience in it and um, I really enjoyed it. So I hope you enjoy this episode, folks. It's a real good one. So chill out, put your feet up, get your headphones in if you're commuting to work, however you listen to this and enjoy J-Mac. So let's welcome J-Mac to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi J-Mac, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. It's awesome to have you on here, sir. How's things getting on for you today? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, thanks very much for having me on board. Um, I've been listening to a lot of your, a lot of the stuff there going on, and all the other guys that've been on. So uh, that was just me home there from work there, just literally about half an hour ago. So uh, just got the dinner through into me there. I'm just ready to go here for a bit of a quick chat. Aye, cool, cool, Jim. Mike. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and um, I have to thank the guys at Cycleology as well, just for putting me in contact with you and kind of setting it up. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, definitely the the guys at the shop seem to be seem to be very good and switched on, you know, in that respect, I suppose. Yeah. And I suppose it's good for you for you guys to to get a, a listen in, I suppose, how it all started, I suppose. Yeah, certainly. And you know, I want to chat to you about obviously your mountain biking and, and your racing and, and your sponsorships and stuff like that. We'll get into that. But it's very interesting to me that you have come from a motocross background because so many people that mountain bike seem to come from that background, you know, and um, yeah. even, you know, like even the pros and the, the guys like that that are training all year and the off season, they seem to be training in motocross bikes as well. And I, I find it quite interesting. And, and I want to chat to you a wee bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that'd be grand. I Well, I suppose uh, the motocross side of it is is probably the easy bit for me um you know that's what that's basically what i get brought up you know doing so um it comes very first hand and i suppose as soon as you jump on a mountain bike it um that's why you see, you see the pros doing it all the time because mm. it's just like second nature you know you're on two wheels and a set of handlebars and a set of foot pegs basically and, and it's good training so that's yeah. why you see the, the top guys doing it you know yeah so it's, it it's cool and J-Mac, you're from Newcastle in Northern Ireland. and So what was your upbringing like there? Were you kind of, did your father race bikes or was he into motocross? No, my dad never really done done a big lot. He was just like a, a joiner, I suppose. And it basically came from uh, the other side of the family, my mum's side. So okay. um, my, it was basically my, my uncle and my, my cousin. So my cousin was racing professionally at the time, um, a guy called Brian Steele. So I'm sure a lot of the guys that are probably listening to this know Brian very well. So mm. um, he's the one that basically got me basically into bikes and, you know, following it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So just like going to going and watching him racing, um, you know, at the weekends and stuff like that there. And always, you know, if I could get to one or two races just to watch, that's that was basically the highlight for it, you know. And then um, my dad bought me a wee bike when I was about six. So mm-hmm. he did. So, and that was basically scooted about on that for a while around the, the back football fields, you know, at the back of the house there. <laughs> Ripping up the, the football pitches. <laughs> Pretty much. The best time for me was out when it was really wet and I was just, it was just puddles everywhere and it was just going flat out uh, around the football field and just doing big circles, but not doing anything in particular. Uh-huh. Um, just riding about, basically having fun. And that was, that was, 
that was how it started. And again, from then, I think I think I got had the bike for about six months, and um, something happened to the wee bike. I think it stopped running, um, and I can't remember. But my dad wasn't able to fix it, so I think he sold it on me. And <laughs> I basically had no motorbike then, or no real bikes, I suppose, until I was till Brian again. He um, he basically bought me my first motocross bike. Um, I think through Brian and my uncle, between the two of them, um, came together and they got me a wee Suzuki 80, brand new. So that was that was brilliant for them too. They, like they basically have brought me in, you know, to it. Mm-hmm. So they have, and only for them, I suppose it wouldn't probably be here. Where do you know where I am at today? I suppose at this level, yeah, at bikes. So no, it's good. Yeah, cool. And when did you when did you first decide to compete? Yeah, competing, well, I suppose whenever I, uh, let me see, competing-wise, that was basically just down to Brian. I basically just had, um, I'd done a year on a, a, I think it's a small wheel Suzuki, really, um, and basically practicing out of Brian's track in Sheik Hill in Dundrum. And basically, after that, we went on to a big wheel 85, and he basically didn't, he just told me, look, until you're ready, until he thinks I was ready to race, I wouldn't be going, basically. There's mm-hmm. no point in going round and round. So, um, basically, my first race was a wee Barley Stubble in Lisburn. Um, I remember that pretty well, actually. It was a real sunny day. Um, and I had three three good, three good wee races, wee quick, sharp races. And then, basically, the two weeks after that, or a couple of weeks after that, it was straight through into the deep end, into the Odyssey Supercross. So. <laughs> So that was pretty much my second race. Um, For frig's sake, really? Yeah, straight in, yeah, at the deep end. And I, we, Brands Track sort of is a bit, um, it's super cross-orientated, you know, there'd be a lot of big jumps and stuff. Mm. So I was well used to the, the jumps aspect of it, if you know what I mean. So, um, And he obviously thought I was quick enough to go in and race. So I suppose I just went along with it. At that age, you don't, I think it was 14 or something or 15. Okay. You just go ahead with it. You're up for anything, really, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so I put just three in there, and that was that. So, brilliant. And tell us about the motocross scene at that time. You know, what was it like? Was it competitive? Was there lots of guys doing it? Yeah, basically, I think at that age, uh, at that time, there was a lot of good riders. There was you had all the you had all the real fast local riders. Like I suppose back in back that time, there was a lot of guys like uh, I suppose Brian Steele. Philip McCulloch, Adam Lands, you have the Tommy Mertens, the Wayne Garts, um, all that older crew were coming up through, you know, and they were mm-hmm. they were racing pretty fast. But that that level at the A level was pretty serious. But uh, suppose I was only starting off, you know, and, and watching them guys and learning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, obviously got got myself into a decent enough level, and um, I rode I rode in the in the bees for for a wee while. It took me a while to get out of the bees. Actually, I don't know why. I just could never string a good season together. Um, kept crashing and stuff like that there, and and then I ended up. I think it was when I was on a two fifty F Honda. I think it was. I got um, I got. I think I was second in the second in the Irish, and I either won the Ulster or second. I can't remember the two results really, but. Uh, I had a couple of good seasons. It basically came down to a couple of the, one of the last two races or something to win the championship, and mm-hmm. I think I lost out to Johnny Eady on one of them. Um, so, but no, it was good. It was good fun, and that got me up into the A. So it did then for I think it was 2016. It might have been. Yeah. So it was. So 
So no, it was it was good, definitely good experience. And I suppose with uh, Brian being there and being my mentor basically at every race, it was a really big help for me. You know, so there was not too many guys had, I suppose, that level of experience. You know, and obviously as quick as Brian, so I was able to watch him even practicing. You know, mm-hmm. um, obviously by practicing him every day and just just watching and learning. And I suppose that's that's one of the ways I can pick up stuff pretty easy by watching somebody and just going and trying, giving it a try, you know. Yeah. So what was your training like at that time, Jay Mike? Were you, you know, were you focusing on training for the bike? Were you going to the gym? How many days a week were you training? Was it as serious as that? Uh, I don't think, for me, it probably wasn't as serious. Um, I sort of struggled to try and take something that I do as a hobby quite, you know, serious, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Yes, we definitely, we've we, we done a lot of, it was basically every weekend, we basically, whether, if we weren't racing, we were riding the mountain bikes, um, basically in Tollymore, it was basically Tollymore, or Castlewell and Forest Park, you know, mm-hmm. and just, be, it was basically cross-country spins, nothing, no uh, no mad tracks or nothing, just seat up, seat, you know, seat post up, there was no dropper seat post back then, so it was just riding <laughs> about on a wee, um, a wee small hardtail, which I suppose Brian bought me that. He bought me that again, so he did. So, again, I thank that man for basically everything he's done there. And yeah. so that was uh, that was the training, um, a bit of aerobic training on the mountain bike. And then we used to, after the bikes, we used to do a bit of strength training and stuff up in, Brian, in Brian's dad's house in Castlewell in there. And after that, really, it was just riding, riding the motocross bike is the best type of fitness, to be honest, you know, mm-hmm. for... For that type of training, you know, for doing that sport, you need to be on the bike sort of three times a week if you can, mm-hmm. you know, to be any mm-hmm. to be competitive, or else it's just no show at the front, you know. I certainly, and you know, I suppose, like you say, a lot of that crosses over to mountain bike, and so it's kind of relative to the to the motocross. When you were competing at that time, was there anybody you looked up to? Was there any of the pro riders on the international scene or anything you kind of followed? Yeah, there was always. Um, there was always the top guys, obviously, in, in America, and, and you always watched. I always watched the racing, um, you know, obviously on on the – it was probably the VHS back then, I suppose. So it was, uh, <laughs> the old the Betamax. Old tape, the old tape recorders, <laughs> yeah. So um, I used to watch all brand stuff, and then it, it did come, start to come online then. It was basically whenever I was probably racing uh, at my sort of best level, it was Chad Reed and probably Ricky Carmichael were the two that stand out for me. Mm-hmm. Um Ricky Carmichael, basically a guy that's crazy, didn't have all the talent, but he basically he made it through his work ethic. I suppose you know he just he was just like a complete workhorse, and like he wasn't the most talented boy on a bike, but by God, he was he was fast and he, he worked hard for it. And then the op- the other opposite was Chad Reed, was just like he basically threw on a bike and was just that had that much talent. He could just you know jump on and do any jump or any you know sequence of jumps and. Even corners or riding anything, he was just so smooth and sort of. I try to base my riding on that type of riding and try and do my training on the other type, you know, as Ricky Carmichael. So, yeah, it's just the two guys were were pretty pretty good. And then you had the Gordon Crocker guy who was uh, one of the. He, he was basically the best in Ireland at the time. Uh, he won like I think three British championships, and he was basically I think he was third in the world actually to Chad Reed wow. um, okay. in two thousand three or four maybe. Um, and he was he was the best in Ireland and probably still and still has been the best. Um, so he was a real a guy and obviously he was good friends with Brian as well. So um, he was always down practicing and 
whenever you know in the off season mm-hmm. he would have been down at Brian's track practicing. So watching, even watching them guys um, out riding really really helps you and probably is I suppose good to look up to, isn't it? Yeah, it, it must have been amazing to be involved with them guys and, and around them guys when that scene was like that. Yeah, well. That's what I say. Well, Brian was riding British Championship and he rode Grand Prix for, I think, he done all the World Grand Prix for about 10 years as well. So, travelled around the world. So, having the experience, you know, as your your close cousin, just to be able to go, you know, hit, you know, tell you exactly what to do in a corner or on a jump or, you know, or what position you should be on the bike and stuff like that there is just, like, people would pay, people pay loads of money for that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I got it basically just second second hand like so I'm very grateful for that I suppose um, oh, and I suppose it's just sometimes it's either it's natural and it's in you you know you can just sort of you can pick stuff up and away you go sort of thing well they obviously seen something in you to uh, keep you under his wing and be your mentor in a way yeah I think so well um, that's it back to the back to the very first bit uh, where I started remember I was telling you you bought me the 80, C, or the uh-huh. 80 Suzuki well, back uh, back then, before I even had that 80, he let me ride his, uh, I think it was a Kawasaki 252-stroke, around, um, basically around a wee flat field. And I used to, go, my dad used to take me out, and I used to go out and watch Brian, and then he would let me road, you know, around the track, around this wee field. I must have been able to see Jeepers that wee fella. He actually has a bit of potential, and then that's how he actually, he must have just got the courage up and got me a wee bike, you know. So... So, yeah, all good that way. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to go out and help a mate on his farm. And, and then when we had done a full day's work, we used to take his and his brother's motocross bike out around the fields and go for a quick rip. And them guys actually went on and raced. But I used to go to the races with them, but they would bust stuff every race. They would be breaking bits off the bike. And was it was it like that we used? Was it very expensive? Yeah, it can be expensive. Like at the at the time, I probably wasn't really. I was I was working, but you know, always was in was working away. So I, if anything happened to bike, I suppose my dad and would have done the best to help us out, and and probably Brian and myself just try to. If anything went wrong, it was it mainly like if you were crashing the bike, you were you were breaking brake levers, clutch levers, mm-hmm. you were bending radiators. You know, stuff like that there. Even if you bent a subframe, you would have had to be, you know, it's either new plastics, new subframe, even breaking a, you know, exhaust pipe could be up to £500 these days, you know. Yeah. So, and it's just like in one crash, you can basically, you can be into, you could be into 500 or more pounds, you know. So yeah, that's the sort of thing. Yeah, you just, at the end of the day, it's down to really the rider, but I suppose anything can happen when you drop the gate, basically, on a motocross race, you know, you just can't. You can't say you're going to go out and have a nice safe spin. I suppose you're uh, you're in a you're in a race environment, and you're probably you, you just don't know what's going to happen. I suppose whenever you take off, really. So no, that that's it. That's it. Now you also raced uh, many mobile bikes. Can you tell us about how that happened and how you got on? I well, I suppose the um, it just basically fell in. Really, um, I um, I basically gave the the old motocross up basically in 2006. Um, just due to the fact with maybe not having enough dough and just got to the stage where, you know, I wasn't really getting any any quicker. Um, so I just I just gave that up then. And then there was a wee guy, a guy called Dean Brown, gave me, he was he was actually had a wee bike shop in Castlewell and mm-hmm. uh, like a wee motorbike shop selling, you know, online parts. 
and he he basically brought in these wee mini bikes called Monster Motos, and um, and he had one of them for I think he had one of them as a wee demo bike, and I just went up one day. He had a wee track around his forest, and I just he was just hooking about, you know, messing about on them, <laughs> and because I wouldn't be the most um, I suppose gifted in height, it, it, it suited me if you know what I mean. Um, I was basically able to go on, jump on it, and, and ride it pretty fast. Obviously, coming from the motocross, so uh-huh. um, but then just took it up to a wee. Um, there was a couple of wee races up in in Doak. It was a wee indoor track, like a wee mini supercross track, I suppose it was. And there was a couple of races up there, and I think I went and I went. There was I think there was a there was a couple of there was a wee series actually, like a four four round series, and I ended up winning that. Um, racing against, I think it was Andrew O'Brien, and he was racing for, actually, Monster Moto at the time, so, you know, the actual brand. Mm-hmm. So, and I was just on a wee stalker, and actually Ben Reed and stuff, and a couple of guys were there as well, so it was good fun. Ben's obviously, he's a downhill man, you know, he was the best downhill man at the time, so it was good, um, it was good practice racing against them boys, and, and then I ended up winning that, and then I think it, um, a guy, Stevie Mills, then contacted me, through um, Stevie Mills sort of imported the the Monster Motos, you know, into mm-hmm. the into Northern Ireland. Um, I think it was through Go MX. I think it's probably still going. But um, so he contacted me saying, "Would you want to race in, in England at the British and the British?" Um, it was basically the fir- I think it was the first British Championship, you know, uh, for for many many motos, and it was right. uh, it was called Mini Four GB or something like that. So uh, so then yeah, I just went and done a done a year of that. So I did so. Again, I didn't even own a, a mini bike uh, at the time. I just literally, I think it was I just the uh, the guy just he paid for my flights and I flew over and he lifted me from the airport and it was basically like a wee pro deal like for for mini motos like so it was pretty it was unreal like you know just to to be able to land over and take my gear and come back home with a trophy and mm. uh, ended up I think it was like five five rounds I think it was and I was racing two classes so out of the two classes I won. I won one of the one of the series, I think it was. Yeah, I won one of the series overall. So, um, so I ended up being British champion in two thousand seven on the mini motos. So that was oh, good fun. Crazy. So it was, yeah. And did you continue with that, or did you just was it just for a year you done that? Or? No, pretty much just a year. The uh, the guy, the guy, I think it was Elliot Burgess, you call him. He pretty much. Um, I'm not sure what happened, but it, it ended up just. I probably just got a bit, a bit, maybe the cost or whatever, maybe for him to, you know, to bring yeah. me over and stuff. Maybe got a wee bit too much. Um, so I just, I was happy enough just to leave it at that because I was there. You know, it was only a bit of fun for me, like just to fly over and have a spin on a bike, which was probably tuned to like nearly like a one. Probably, I think it was a, it was given out like about fourteen horsepower, which is a lot for a wee small bike, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, if you're running them on a supermoto tires, I think they were max speed about ninety five mile an hour or something. So the Jiggers. thing for the thing for trucking, like you know, I'll send you a couple of wee links actually to yeah. Um, there's a couple of races actually on YouTube you can watch, you know, of the, cool, the racing. Cool. So yeah, I'll stick even, that on the show notes too. That yeah, cool. even me practicing around on them, it's, it's actually funny. Like to watch it back, you know. So that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, no, so, we'll do that for sure. We'll do that. Um, so. That was cool. You, you you give up the motocross then. Was your main reason, like you said earlier, uh, just cost and maybe just just maybe losing a wee bit of passion for it? Yeah, well, again, uh, the motocross thing, unless you're doing it full-time, um, it's very hard to compete. So if you're working full-time and you're racing against guys that are... I think there was three or four guys that were, that were riding full-time over here. Hmm. So... 
I don't know how they were getting away with, but they were basically the top five A guys or top four A guys were basically racing full time. And unless you were riding, um, you know, three times a week wasn't really cutting it. So going on a Saturday to go and race against them, you were maybe two or three seconds a lap slower, you know, just by Mm -hmm. because them guys were out training every day and, you know, riding their bikes. And uh, as I said, you bike time is basically everything in motocross if you're not on the bike you're you're not getting quicker if you know what i mean so yeah yeah, yeah. so that that sort of was a bit of a downer for me i wasn't able to progress um and i suppose that the level of help i suppose wasn't i wasn't i wasn't getting any i got a bit of help you know but i wasn't getting enough to sort of so i was basically working to ride my motocross bike to mm-hmm. race it so yeah i just i just uh, knocked that on the head then and just sort of said look i'm happy enough to call it a day sort of thing so yeah, yeah. that was that and and what made you then think about the mountain biking thing, or was that something you thought, you know what, the motocross is expensive, et cetera, et cetera, so I'm going to give this mountain bike thing more of a more of a try. Was that the way you were kind of thinking about it? Well, the mountain biking thing, I always rode the mountain bike, as I said, you know, for the training. Yeah. But uh, I never, I've always had mates, you know, that are into in the mountain biking, and um, a couple of my, my good friends, you know, that are, you know, in Newcastle. All the guys, um, I used to look up to them boys. They were they were basically riding downhill from from day dot. James Williamson from Newcastle and Stephen Graham and Stephen Foster and all them guys and Danny Hardy probably. Um, a couple of guys that I'm sure the mountain bikers will know. They could, you know, um, from Newcastle. I always looked up to them because they were on the riding downhill bikes and I only had this wee cross country bike. And mm-hmm. um, I could never do any of the stuff that them boys were doing because you know obviously you know jumping and stuff on a cross country bike isn't really. <laughs> It's not really, you can't really do it, even though I probably, I could have done it if I had a, a decent bike. But, um, so it, it ended up, um, it was my mate Sean Donnelly, he had a wee, I think it was a giant, I don't know, a specialised bike head, 24 inch, both, you know, back and front. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, Money Scalp, actually, I'm not sure if you know of Money Scalp, Gareth. No. Um, it was back in the olden days, all the old guys will know about it. Um, it's basically closed now because of the tree disease in it, but it was right oh. across from Tollymore. And they had all the winter league in there, you know, like it was a full winter downhill series there. And I suppose a lot of the, the Irish downhill races were there too, so uh, back in the day. But I basically done a, a couple of runs on his downhill bike and absolutely loved it. And um, I was like, I need to get one of these. So I basically went on to eBay and bought a, bought a bike. I bought the same bike that he was riding. So it was a specialized big hit, um, 24 inch. And I bought it for £800 or something like that. And mm-hmm. basically... You know yourself, you buy something on eBay, you don't know what you're getting. So um, it came anyway, and I basically I took it all apart and I'd done a full rebuild on it. You know, took it took it down to nitromorphed it all and, and got it re-sprayed, wow. re-stickered, and bought all new parts for it. And the thing was like brand new. Um, but obviously, um, you know, it was good fun just to be able to go and go right. I have my own downhill bike now. I can go and, and give this a lash sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that was that was how I sort of started into that. You know. And what age were you then, J Mac? Uh, must have been about what would I have been? Maybe, maybe eighteen or so. Right, probably so you were probably yeah, eighteen or nineteen, young. maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, somewhere around that. Maybe actually, it might have been twenty. I can't even remember. It's that long ago now, so it is. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And and were you kind of competing at that age in the mountain biking thing? When did you first compete? Uh, first race, well, as soon as I got that bike built up, uh, me and my mate Sean, we went down to Bree, which uh, we're still racing at, and um, I went I went to the seniors because I, I didn't know what level I was at, 
you know, because I'd never competed at a yeah. downhill race. So yeah. I just, I went, um, I went there and I think I ended up, uh, I think I got third in my first race in Bree wow. in the seniors. So um, I was happy because the wee track is, the Bree track, as you know, is quite short. It's only like a minute and 30 or a minute and 40 maybe back then. So, um, yeah, it was good fun. Uh, I loved, absolutely loved it. The buzz, everybody there, it was just completely different to the motocross. And uh, everybody's so welcoming. And no matter, like, you know the way, it's like one track um, and you get to ride it loads and loads of times with the shuttles, you know, mm. the trailers and stuff going. Mm-hmm. So you were like, you know, if you stopped and looked at a section, you'd be stopping and, and talking to, you know, the best rider there, which would have been probably Glenn at the time. Uh, I think Glenn actually won that, that weekend, which mm-hmm. I obviously didn't know Glenn back then, but I might have asked him here, boy, what's that line there? And he might have goes, yeah, you need to stay up, you know, up high here or something. And even the likes of that there, being able to talk to the best rider and the best rider telling you a line, which would never happen in motocross, you know. Yeah. Um, you couldn't go and ask your, your mate you're right against, you know, you're racing against in the A's here, mate, what's what's the line around that back section, you know, in Desert mm-hmm. Martin? You couldn't do that, but whereas in Downhill, if somebody asks you something, you would just go. It's just so much more relaxed, and that's that's why I like it, you know. And and sort yeah. of fell in, in love with it really, and just you know, that's where I get my buzz from. Is just meeting everybody and having a crack. And no matter what level you're at, you can just you know just work away and and tell people and do whatever you want, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, isn't it isn't it an awesome scene? That like I just love that about mountain biking. You know, the guys are just so friendly. Glenn is so approachable. All mm-hmm. the guys are so approachable, and they'll help you any way they can. And here, you, you don't get that, especially at that level you were at racing and stuff. You don't get that in a lot of diff- a lot of other sports. No, you definitely don't. That's that's one. It's probably one thing about about Ireland, and uh, and if you look even at all the guys on Instagram and stuff, there, you know, like <clears throat> you've all the likes of the Rap Boy guys and Santa Cruz guys, and and you've all like you know the Danny Hartson and Aaron Gwynn. They're all they're all they're all dead friendly and. You know, they're all out having a crack, you know, during the week. And that's what it's about, really. You can out and ride your bike and having fun. Um, I suppose if you can do that, that's I suppose that's why it all started, isn't it? Just really go out yeah. and having a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. And if you talk to Glenn, he'll still say that. It's all about a crack. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, he's, <laughs> he, can, he can enjoy the crack, all right, that boy. <laughs> so he can. Alright, so when you were starting out mountain biking then, Jay Mac, you had you had a good group of guys there around you. Did you find that very helpful and were you know, you said that that was something that that sparked your interest and if you hadn't had that, would it have been different, do you think? I think so, yeah. Them I suppose them guys that were in Newcastle, they would have basically um I would have went riding with them then and and even even having them as just they were obviously a good bit quicker than me at the time. Um having them as a as a quicker rider and riding with a quicker rider you just get pulled along mm-hmm. so and that that makes some difference like go, be able to go out you know with somebody better it just um, it just brings you on so yeah that definitely yeah. It definitely helps so it does yeah cool and at any stage did you think to yourself that you wanted to take this a wee bit more serious and again think about the whole gym thing and think about training more more so for it yeah to, to be honest, no. Um, I just, I, I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I done, um, after the motocross, I done two years in America doing a you know, motocross mechanic and sort of as a mentor oh. to the guy. So wow. I spent two years in America, in America doing that, um, uh, basically being a mechanic and driving about the whole, the whole of the States. Um, so at that stage, 
um, I, I basically didn't really, I didn't really ride my bike that much. I was over there doing that, you know. So um, whenever I did come back, I done a, I think I done the first race at Monoscalp. I think it was back two or three days, um, and it was Gareth McKee at the time. I know, I think you know, you know Gareth, don't you? Um, uh, and he rides no. for Psychology as well. So he's oh on, yes, 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 yeah, of course. So he does yeah, the, uh-huh. Gareth does the cross country. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But Gareth was into downhill at the time, and I knew Gareth pretty well. So you know, from the from racing a bit of downhill, um, so I ended up going to Moniscalp and um, doing two days with him before the race, and he brought me up. I was basically able to ride at his pace, you know, without being on a bike all you know over two years really. Mm. And I ended up coming. I think I went into my seniors in, in the first run. And I was at the same pace as the guys that were in elites, so they put me in the elites, and I ended up second. So wow. Gareth won, and I was second, and Greg Callum was third. So um, that's the sort of that's the sort of level I got myself to, just by I suppose not like I never really I never really trained as such. I always done enough to get me by, if you know what I mean. So yeah. but for being away for two two years or so, um, doing the, the motorbike thing, uh, mechanic and thing, it's sort of it sort of a bit of spark, you know, to get back doing something, you know, myself instead of working for somebody else, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So that's what got me, I suppose, back into into mountain biking. And from that, from then, then I just basically, yeah, um, I really enjoyed going to the racing and, and, and taking it a bit more serious. But training side of things, uh, it's just basically riding my bike and having fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, cool. So it is. And and your your race results certainly stand out that that's for sure um you know you've achieved some awesome results um in the in the irish downhill point series and stuff like that do you want to tell us a wee bit about that yeah i think um it sort of came about um what was it it was a year i had uh, i think i bought a wee norco off um off ben reed i think it was after the big hit days um and i just seemed to get a wee bit quicker and quicker on it um, I think I think the bike actually helped me go a wee bit quicker, you know. And mm. I was able to go and ride ride there with with um, not ride on the guys at the top pace, but I was in elite then. Do you know what I mean? And I was in sort of scraping top, I think top seven, top six, and I slowly worked myself, worked my way up, you know, just basically just by watching people, um, watching guys on the track, like watching the likes of uh, I suppose Colin Ross and. Mm-hmm. And Glenn and all the rest of the guys, and that just got me a wee bit quicker. I think it's hard to actually tell, you know, how you know how I got that quicker because I didn't really put much practice in, you know, to get to that level. It just sort of comes, just sort of comes natural, I suppose. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, the results, the results have been good, and they've, not that they've come easy. They just the, the speed aspect coming from the motocross bike, I suppose. Um, it just learns itself to it. So, you know, hitting a jump flat out is, it, it comes natural because that's what you do on a motocross bike. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to me, hitting, hitting a rock garden flat out, it, it, it's, it's nothing really, do you know? That's yeah. so, that's probably how I've got up to a bit of speed on the downhill bike. And I've been lucky enough because I've had that background, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's very interesting because you would think then that somebody coming from a motocross background has, has a, advantage really when they start mountain biking and that's maybe why so many guys do it because they come from the motocross background and they're actually quite good on the mountain bike yeah straight away off the bat most people that jump on a downhill bike it's the same thing you see you've got triple crown forks and you've got a big shock on the back 
Uh, the only thing you're missing is the engine, really. So mm. if you point that down the hill, you're going to be able to ride it faster the way. So that's why you see the likes of Aaron, Aaron Gwynn. He, I suppose he was he was at the top amateur level. He just couldn't break into the top pro level. Um, over in America, it's, it's a very, very hard sport. It's totally different to here. Um, there's just, if you imagine 20 guys here, it could be 300 guys over there you're racing against. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. So it's just totally, and that's only in like certain states. You know, if you go around the whole of America, you imagine how many guys there is. So yeah. it's massive over there. And, and I suppose he just decided, look, I'll take this mountain bike and I go. And he was that fast on it that he just, he sort of blew people away, the speed he was able to carry through stuff, you know. Mm. And that's obviously from the confidence of the motocross bike. You know, he's so mm. used to it. Yeah, it's interesting. Though. Yeah, that's why you see all them top pro riders. They're just, they. you would see them on their Instagrams, like practicing and, and hooking about on the enduro bikes and stuff like that there. Because anything on two wheels is, is they count that as training. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though to us <laughs> it probably looks like a bit of fun. But yeah. if you probably looked at their training program, the top pros, it's... Um, it's either going going ride the motocross bike and that does your upper body. It does your. It's basically it's a full body workout. You know, you're 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 squatting. Mm. If you're riding a motocross bike, you're you're basically squatting the whole track. You know, you're maybe doing a hundred squats. You know, a lap. You know, people don't see that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's where them guys. You know, they're they're not in the gym, but they're out riding the bike, the motocross bike. Oh, it's easy. <laughs> yeah yeah no i know because i went on a motocross bike not so long ago for the first time in maybe 15 or 16 years and mm-hmm. i knocked about i knocked about a field the flat field with a few whoops and a few wee things i knocked about for 40 minutes see the next day mm-hmm. i Kill. felt like i'd been hit by a car that's the problem you say yeah <laughs> <laughs> it does it, like that's that's what i say it sort of makes you it sort of gives you a natural sort of fitness like that's mm. like people always say you know what do you do in the gym and stuff i don't do a big lot in the gym i just i just seem to carry my i've carried my sort of fitness through the through the motocross right through and it just you just sort of like i don't do a big lot of training i don't do I, i've never never been a member of a gym really um i just do the odd wee bit of rock climbing which is the odd wee bit like and mm-hmm. I, I try and do a wee, uh, this year i've tried to do a wee bit of yoga so i have and that seems to yeah. it seems to keep you in keep you sort of in shape sort of thing and keeps you supple and that's all you really need isn't it i i think so i, I think it's good to have something like that because when you come off you don't uh you bend you don't break you know you're right yeah <laughs> that's, that's uh, yeah touch wood i suppose one thing about <laughs> myself i'm able to when i do crash i seem to crash like you know as soon as i crash i roll so i put myself mm. in like i never put my hands straight out and like you would see guys crash and falling with their two hands flat and straight away you know they've, they've either got a broken wrist or you're going down in their collarbone. If you can tuck your, you know, tuck your head in and go into like a roll, you're basically, you know, if you can imagine like a, you know, like a pillow landing, that's what it's like. You know, you're yeah. landing and tucking and rolling and you're nearly getting away with it most times. So if the guys, yeah. if anybody listening to this can think of that, if they're the next time they're in the air and they think they're not going to make it, get yourself, don't be putting your hands out, put your hands into your body and try and take the impact on your shoulder or back or something. So, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's basically that's 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 what i do you know yeah yeah good advice when i fall i normally try and fall like a drunk man you know <laughs> i try and raggy doll it you know what i mean and i ragdoll yeah <laughs> uh, that's 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 not a, that's not a good one because you end up like, snapping something <laughs> so yeah. i think it only works if you actually are drunk yeah you're right <laughs> so i've got uh, 
I've got some of your results in front of me. Do you want me to read them out? Hey, go ahead if you want, yeah. Right. Irish Downhill Point Series, uh, four-round series, 2015 first in the elites, 2016 first in the elites, 2017 first in the elites. And mm-hmm. then we've got the Irish Downhill National Champs, 2015 second, 2016 first, 2017 third. It just keeps going and going and going. Like, you've had some awesome, awesome results. Um, how do you do it? I don't know. I just You just turn up and, and, and ride the bike <laughs> and have fun, really. That's all That's all I do. Like, there's, there's, not, there's nothing else to it, I suppose. Um, I've just been very lucky, you know. That there's a lot of guys, I suppose, downhill has sort of taken a wee bit of a dip over here. Um, yeah. A lot of guys have all went to enduro, so there seems to be... Not that there's less competition. There's still guys that are out there that are going very fast on the downhill bike. And I suppose I've been lucky, you know, um, in a way that when Jacob's not, Jacob Dixon, obviously, like, there's no um, there's no saying I'm going to beat him this year because that man's on a different planet at the moment. He's right at mm. world level, um, to, you know, on a pro contract. So, you know, Jacob's on, an, on another level, I suppose, to anybody over here. So, uh, you know, speed-wise. Um, mm. So when he's obviously not racing, there's... You know, there's a couple of young guys coming up through, and then you've got the older generation boys like, like Roscoe and stuff there, and and all the other boys that always can put a good run together. And you know, it is good racing between us guys. You know, at, yeah. you know up there. So there's always, and then you've the likes of young Jack Crawley and all there that are coming through, which they're they're gaining experience every year, and there's no doubt that then guys are going to be quicker this year. So I don't know what I'm going to do to try and. I suppose stay up with them this year. Um, <laughs> I suppose speaking to you now, I've only been out on my new downhill bike, uh, I think, two times, three, two times, yeah. So, um, thank God the Brie was cancelled there last week or last weekend, yeah. So, yeah. sort of was a bit of a, a bit of a pleasant surprise when it got cancelled. I was, I was sort of hoping to go down and sort of throw my leg over the bike and ride down and see where, see where it came. But hopefully, I'll be able to be a bit more prepared for the next one. Aye, so it comes got... along. You've got what uh, about a month or so? The next one's fourteenth, fifteenth of April. Yeah, fourteenth yeah. of April. Yeah, and there's an enduro Aye. before that, so that will give me a bit of time to you know get on the wee enduro bike and get a bit of get a bit of miles done. Yeah, cool. So you, you also had really good results in the the fittest first tracks enduro cup as well. Yeah. So, you know, two thousand fifteen, you were second. Two thousand sixteen, you were third. Two thousand seventeen, you were second. Now you need to win. Are you going to win that one this year? There's another question that, that um, as long as you're there, it seems to be. Again, the guys, the guys are going fast over here. They, they're trying to make it full time. So then, guys sometimes obviously can't get to all the racing. Um, so there's there's going to be times there where there's guys not going to be turning, you know, not being able to get to two rounds like the likes of Keelan mm-hmm. there. Um, and I suppose Nathan's won it three three years in a row, so he's the guy to beat. Um, he obviously rides for for Glenn's team, the the Vitus first track mm-hmm. team. So um, that's that's the goal is trying to beat them guys. But the Nathan fella's been um, been on a long holiday there from um, I think it was July last year. The man hasn't done a big lot of working, so he's been riding his bike. Uh, you, you know, uh, fine rightly that man's going to be going to be very hard to beat this year with a bit of training he's been doing. And um, I suppose bike time uh, is crucial to mountain biking. If you can be on your bike, you're just you can throw the leg over and you're you're pretty much confident you're going to be going riding fast, you know. So mm, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the plan. Go and see these young guys. Just try and put it up to them a wee bit and, and have a I suppose go out and enjoy it. That's all I sort of go out for, you yeah. know. You know. Yeah. Cool, cool. And let's chat a wee bit about the Red Bull Fox hunt. Um, you came second in that last year. Is that one you're really going to try and get this year? Hopefully, yeah. That's the that's the goal. Uh, I would love to. I would love to win one of them. So. Um, Again, we've got them guys that are that are powerhouses along the top, like the likes of Mr. Grant there. Um, mm. He was able to come past me. I tried to stay with him, but the man has put out serious power, so um, there was no way I'd stay with that man along the top. It, you'd be very, you'd be struggling to find anybody actually would along there. Do you know? Yeah. That that's the thing. If you can get a start, I suppose um, up at the top there, you have to make your own luck and just gotta you've got to go. It, it is hard to hear them. Yeah, I whistle up there, and I suppose everybody's edging and jumping and, and all the rest. And, you know, <laughs> like you end up waiting up there for maybe an hour and a half, so you're you're just biting at the bit to go. Um, and then coming from a motocross background, I love a mass start. That's just like you don't get that in mountain biking bar that one yeah. time. So to have that mass start and have everybody around to me, it's just like being back home and being on a you know being on a motocross bike again. So you're you're actually racing people again instead of racing the clock. So. Mm. I think if it was racing people all the time, I would actually probably end up being slightly better at mountain biking because, you know, there's more adrenaline than just riding by yourself, I suppose. You know, you're actually racing against people, but obviously it can't happen in mountain biking because there's only there's only one trail and I suppose one track. It's not like motor, motocross. So the plan is yeah. to, to give it a good lash this year anyway and try and be a good bit fitter so I can stay. If it's if it's going to be in Restrava again this year, it'll be... Um, It'll be that top section that's the killer for me. But other than that, I should be able to hold my own down the downhill stuff, you know? Yeah, because I had I had um, Mr. Grant on the podcast, as you know. That's and, right, I um, heard him, yeah. Yeah, and he was chatting about that, that top section and that, that was one of his main, you know, to get off that first. That was that was his goal up there um, because he knew that's where you could win or lose it there, you know? That's it, yeah. Every race is won or lost at the start when you're, when you're in a when you're in a bunch on a bunch start you know so um it's probably 80 percent of the race so the rest of it just falls into place you know if you can get a good start so yeah yeah that's uh, everybody's aiming for a good start and a good position up there so yeah just cool cool get the head into gear and, and try and focus on a bit of training i suppose that'll be that'll be all all it takes really to get a win there yeah cool man well hope good luck with that good luck on that one yeah cheers it'll be it'll be interesting anyway <laughs> so let's let's chat about the team that you ride for now um and it's psychology a store there in armagh mm-hmm. and i was up in it actually a few weeks ago and i was chatting to tony and alistair the owner and here what a lovely store that is it's some setup yeah it has to be one of the best not just saying it but it has to be one of the best places you can walk into and look at the amount of bikes to have, and I suppose the value of bikes. Um, yeah. I suppose anybody you, you would talk about, you know, if they said to you, "Oh, I would love to buy a Santa Cruz," you know, or cheapers, you don't have you don't have a Santa Cruz. They'd be, that's the best bike, you know, you can basically buy, and they mm-hmm. have they have six or seven of them in there, you know, and you can go and look at them. And to me, that's that's class. Like I walked the very first time I walked into the shop, it was actually for. It was for my prize money uh, at the Fox Hunt that I was second to Roscoe at. He just pipped me on the line. Um, that one, I got, I think I got, I think it was 70 quid or something they gave me, or it was maybe 120 quid they gave me prize money. 
the mm. shop, you know, the psychology shop were, were sponsoring it. And whenever yeah. I went in, it was just like, I was blown away by the shop. It was my first time in, you know. And um, from then on, it was just a bit of having, you know, I used to call in just for an old chat, you know, when I was working in Armagh and stuff. So, um, yeah, that was a crack. So it definitely, it's it's a it's a lovely shop. And for anybody that hasn't been in it, it's definitely worth a trip over to, you know, go and see the bikes that, you know, all the top guys are, are racing and riding, mm. you know. Yeah, like the range of bikes they have in there is awesome. You know, it really, really is good. And, you know, if you're looking for a new bike, you would be struggling to come out of there without one because they have some stuff in there. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, they've all the stuff from, I suppose, you've got the tracks, you've got the, the Santa Cruz, uh, you've white there, you've the, just basically every big brand you, you can think of. You've got the Maridas there. Um, what else have they got sitting there? They've got many. That's the Saracens oh, yeah. that I'm actually they've riding. They've got the big Saracen downhills, yeah, haven't that's, they? Yeah, I've got a Saracen there at the moment. They've given me one of them for 2018, and that's as a, it's a weapon. And obviously, Danny Hart's moved to the Saracen, so um, mm. he wouldn't move there if the bike wasn't good enough. So it just shows you like the level of the level of stuff they have in the shop is is, is amazing, you know? Yeah, certainly is, certainly is. So. Tony O'Brien there, he's your team manager, is he? Yeah, he's a team manager, yep. If we need anything, we'll go to Tony, and um, he then translates that to Alistair instead of us. Alistair is very busy with the shop, so um, Tony was appointed the team managers for me and Gareth and Sasha, Sasha Bickerstaff mm-hmm. there. So yeah. uh, the three of us then, if we needed anything, we would have went to Tony, and Tony done the Tony done the business and you know, and hooked us up whatever we needed. So he did. No, it's very good. And tell us how Team Psychology then help you out. What what do they give you as far as sponsorship and stuff go? Yeah, well, sponsorship-wise, um, first year, basically, I walked into the shop. It, it was what Alistair said to me whenever I went in. It's basically, he wanted a team as, a, as like a wee family team. He didn't want, he didn't want like, um, you know, it to be really serious and all the rest. And he just wanted a wee a small family team that he can try and, you know, keep for a couple of years and see how it goes. And uh, he basically just said to me, Jimmy, whatever you want there in the shop, you know, you can have. And I, I was sort of blown away. I was like, nah. I just like, that's a top end Mondraker there. But, uh, you know, it, it's too dear. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, you know, put you out of that sort of money. And he says to me, if that's what you want, that's what you'll be riding. And I was like, Jeepers Alistair, you know, I didn't really, you know, I was happy enough with something, you know, lesser spec, you know, with still the same frame, but maybe a lesser spec bike. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm-hmm. no, you'll be on whatever you're, Whatever you're, whatever you're going to be riding, you'll be going out on the best. So I was sort of blown away by that, and to have that as a, to have that as a, as a sponsor is, is amazing. You know, just to be able to go, um, you know, there's there's a downhill bike, and if you're racing enduro, there's an enduro bike too. You know, choose what you want. And um, basically, I got to pick my two bikes last year and again this year. So. Um, they've just basically, I, I get the two bikes and I hand them back at the end of the year and mm-hmm. hopefully if all goes to plan this year, it you know it might work out for me next year again, just um, see how things go. Um, obviously there's younger riders coming up through the pack so basically you're, you're helping the bikes and and all the gear and stuff like that there, Every, all the gear is, was sponsored to us um, any of the tyres that we needed was given to us, you know, like in mountain biking, I suppose you don't really use a big lot of tyres, motocross you would do you like but mountain biking i could go through maybe two sets of tires a year on both bikes and that would be enough for me do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. 
uh, a front tire actually would last me basically all season. I would just change the rear twice, and I'd be happy enough with that. You know, um, a lot of guys change their tires, you know, a lot more. But for me, I'm happy enough just to run run what you brung basically and send her on. Yeah. Um, but no, the guys have been more than helpful with with everything we've asked for and, and uh, come up with the goods basically. Yeah, and does um do they do they expect anything off you as far as race results go? No, that's another thing. He just said to me. He just says whatever you do. He says um, as long as you go and have fun and just and, and get the shop name out there. He's basically what he's looking for is is people to come into the shop um, and they'll do the rest from there. So uh, he just wants us to go out and enjoy ourselves and wherever we come, we come. Um, there's no pressure on race results or none of that there, which is, again, that's a good thing for me because if someone was to say to me, you know, we need you to be third in the championship this year or no less than third, you know, that's putting pressure on you and you don't need that when you're, well, I especially don't when I'm racing, I just want to go and have a bit of crack, you know. And yeah. um, to me, that's that works out perfect for me because I can just go to the race, do my own thing, and if I come away with a good result, then happy days. And if not, then we'll work and see what, what needs to be done, you know. Yeah, cool, and and that support, I'm sure, I'm sure is awesome. You know, it really helps you. Do you think without that support, you would still be racing and competing? Um, I think it would definitely be. I'd be out there, yeah, but I wouldn't be on the best of bikes now. I would probably be, it'd be on a lesser, a lesser spec bike. Obviously, the bike probably well capable of winning races, um, but I would definitely be able to be doing less, a wee bit less, probably. Yeah, definitely. It seems to be, um, it's a big, big help uh, to have that. Basically, I have my wee van kitted out there and we've all got the sponsored logos on it. So, you know, everybody sees the shop name and stuff on it and what, what bikes are riding and sports gear and stuff. And to have that at, at sitting at, a, at, a, at a, every race is, is good for the shop as well, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it looks pretty. And then to keep everything nice and clean and tidy and it just, it just reflects on the shop, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, to be a brand ambassador, I'm sure Alistair seen, you know, your attitude and, and your personality and he thought that would be good for the store. Yeah, it must be like, you know, anybody could come up and talk to me, you know, and and, and it's just like, like there's nobody, I don't think, well, anybody shouldn't think that they couldn't talk, talk to me because it's only, I'm only another person at the end of the day. I'm not any, any special guy. It's, I can just ride a bike a wee bit quicker than them. That's basically it. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. And obviously you do your nine to five working days and, and you come at the weekend, you go out and ride your bike and that's it. So, yeah. So out of the gear you're using at the minute, any bits that you really love that stand out? Uh, probably has to be the Fox knee pads, to be honest. Yeah. they, oh, okay, they cool. uh, I got them last year. The, the shop gave them to me and uh, they're, they're probably the most comfiest knee pads I've had on. Um, it's one thing that actually is a wee bit fussy about because they always they always hurt the back of the legs, you know. Um, mm, yeah. These things are these things are unreal. Plus, one other thing actually is I got um, a pair for my own helmet that gets spread there, um, all in the psychology, you know, logos and stuff I got there. But um, that was one thing I've always wanted to do, you know, like get a, you know, your own helmet sprayed up um, mm-hmm. for the motocross and I never got around to doing it but I finally got it done last year I just I just spent a wee bit of money because I didn't have to buy my bikes um, that you know obviously the money was there for for bikes for racing um, I put it towards a nice helmet and um, it's class that thing I love that thing as well you know so um, it's pretty cool to have your own name and stuff on the back of the lid and just, yeah. just things like that there it's like the guys would watch in, in the pro level 
you know, them guys are getting helmets every weekend given to them and to have one of your own like I'll have that thing for probably the rest of my days you know and just mm-hmm. it's it's pretty special I suppose to me yep what have you on the back of it J-Mac yeah J-Mac and then you're, for some reason the guy put like a wee Irish leprechaun on the top of it I didn't ask for that <laughs> but uh, he uh, he decided to spray I, I just said I just left I gave him what I wanted you know like I said to him I wanted three stars on it and you know I was always number 49 on the motocross bike. Well, not always, but that was my last number. So uh-huh. I always ran that. I like that number So because um, Carmichael was number four, and I think it was Ivan Tedesco was number nine. So I like the right, two, cool. two of them motocross riders. So um, that's why I ran 49, I think, at the time. But, yeah, I gave him a few wee details, and then he came up with this uh, Irish leprechaun. But the guy's, the guy's amazing. Like His work is second to none, that guy. Um, I think it's Liquid Color Design, LCD. Uh, he's right. actually a guy from um, up near Lauren direction, you know, so he is, and he does a lot of the helmets for, like, all the world touring car guys and, and stuff. I just found him throughout his Instagram page, you know, and uh, I couldn't cool. not, I couldn't believe he was in, in the Northern Ireland, and I could go up and actually talk to him and um, and tell him what I wanted, and he basically sat down and, and drew out, you know, and, uh, and that was that. But, uh, yeah, it was good fun to get done, so it was. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, let's talk about your enduro bike because you're on a Santa Cruz, aren't you? Oh yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, I got a Santa Cruz. That was one thing that I was sort of sort of worried about this year because um, Santa Cruz have a couple of bikes there, but to me, nothing. If I was if I was to have one bike, I would ride a Santa Cruz Nomad, which is like mm-hmm. a 170 mil bike. Which, um, but to have a downhill bike as well, I, I sort of said to myself, right, I need to have a more enduro specific bike instead of having two bikes with like 20 mil of difference so yeah. i said to myself right i'll try i'll try a, a 29er for a change i just decided to go on to a 29 i don't know why but i've made the decision anyway and um i went for a high tar lt which is like it's it's basically the guys you know mark scott and i think it's ego gary or whatever you call him from spain right for santa cruz them guys right and even rap boy rides it in the ews's and they can seem to basically ride them anywhere and and basically ply through stuff. Uh, I done a wee demo day, I think, in Tollymore on Hightower, and that's what basically made my mind up. I basically took it out into Tollymore, and it was just, I was basically mind-blowing the way it just rolled through stuff and makes stuff a lot easier. So mm-hmm. I just decided to, with probably the lack of training I've been doing, um, it's going to be a bike I'll be able to jump on and basically and ride decent enough pace on, you know, without doing a lot of training, really. Just jump on and, yeah. and, and, and give, her, give her the Dixie, I suppose. And did you find a lot of difference between that and the 650B? Were you on a Santa Cruz 650B the year before? No, no, I was on a Mondraker. It was a Mondraker June 650B. Oh, so, right. Uh, so, yeah, two Mondrakers last year, and then I went to a Santa Cruz then this year. So it's uh, basically the first time I rode a 20 there. Um, I rode a couple of cross-country bikes, but only for um, like an XC race, short XC race and stuff. So um, it doesn't really compare. The, the bikes are totally different in geometry-wise and, uh, even mm. set up tires and stuff is all totally different so yeah to ride, to ride a nice bike that's set up as 29 everybody says you need to be a tall rider but to me I don't think I just think you need a 29 suits a, a smooth rider not a not a tall rider I suppose obviously the taller riders you know it, it might help but I think mm-hmm. I think if I can get um, I've only rode the thing once to be honest you know I, I got it like two or three weeks ago and I've literally been busy with work and uh, the weather's been pretty bad so we just haven't been able to get out on it so um, 
my next, I wrote it once and I, and I loved it. The place was bone dry. Actually, Tollymore was was one of the best days um, I've been in it actually in a while. So, and the bike felt amazing. So I think another few days like that on the bike, uh, I shouldn't be far away. You know. Yeah, the the Santa Cruz bikes just seem so popular. You can't go online or look at any kind of online video, you know, with guys riding around that there's not two or three Santa Cruzes there. They're just mad at the minute. Yeah, it's a big brand, hey. Just um, well, you've got the best riders in the world on them, like Greg Menard. Um, you've got all them top guys, Lucas Shaw, you've Louis Forgier and all them guys there. And then you've the Rap Boy and you know Lewis Dog, Lewis. All them boys are. They're all out doing tricks on them and all, and they're basically all over the place. And you know, people people love love the brand. It, it's a very, it is quite an expensive bike, but for for what you get, you get obviously a lifetime warranty with a frame. You get lifetime warranty with burns, which no other bike brand really does that. Like if you That's awesome. if you have a if your burn kit goes, like you basically ring them up and give them your frame number, and they send you a new set of burns for the frame. You know, and stuff like that. There to have to have that even. I was sort of. I can believe it actually when they said burns, you know, you know, obviously burn yeah. kit could be, it could be anything between 40 and 60 quid, but you know, if you're getting it free, sure, obviously you're paying a wee bit more at the start, but you're getting a quality frame and you know, something, you know, that works and it's tested, you know, at a high level. So, yeah. yeah. And you know, isn't it so awesome to have bikes like that and, Armagh, for frick's sake. You know what I mean? I know. Like, and a, and a good range of them. You know, the, the funny thing is, if you asked somebody out in the trails, just somebody, you know, do you, where, where could I buy a Santa Cruz bike? They probably couldn't tell you. No, that's the thing. It's like, uh, like Armagh seems to be the, uh, it seems to be like a big secret. Like, nobody seems to know about the shop. And that's that was one of Alistair's big um, big things. And Tony, I suppose, as well, just to, to get, get the shop name out there and, and, Whatever brands we do, try and you know, try and let people know about it. And I suppose that's how you, that's how you get people into the shop and how you get more Santa Cruz's out there. I suppose. Um, mm. But yeah, that to have that level of bikes in the shop, like obviously all the bikes out there that I've ever ridden before, like the Vitus's and Nuke Personal, like them bikes are, are are equally as amazing. They're just they're just you know they're built by a, a local firm and designed by local guys, and people love that as well. You know and yeah, don't that's get, cool. Don't that get me wrong. Cool. The bikes, them bikes. I, I actually like like a one-two championships on them, uh, on the Vitus bikes. So, but for some reason, Vitus are Santa Cruz bikes. People love like even like I think I follow an Instagram page there, like a bike shop on. It must be in Surrey, the Surrey Hills, and them guys are pushing out Santa Cruz like, like as if they're, they're you know they're they're one-two grand, not like six grand bikes. You know what I mean? The mm. guys in England seem to be just. I don't understand it, but they, they seem to be buying bikes like there's no tomorrow, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's nuts, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a wee bit about your future then, J. Mike. So, what's your goals for 200 and... 200? 218. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you got... Go, well, I know, well, I know you've... Yeah. 2018 we're on. Jay, mm-hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I know you have goals set out. Do you want to fill us in a wee bit about them? Well, I would love. I would love to. I'd love to retain the, the, the IDMS title again. I'm going to enter for all of them anyway. Um, and mm-hmm. I suppose all you can do is turn up and do your best. If if somebody beats you on the day, they beat you on the day. But I suppose, like I've watched, I've watched and, and rode in a lot of championships myself in motocross and downhill. So I know how to win. I know how to win a championship because I've won three. You basically you need to turn up and you need to have good solid results. Like if you watch the Rand Dungey in motocross, like. 
he mightn't have won every race, but he was always on the top three or in the top four. Yeah, he was never just super consistent. Like, super consistent, and that's what it takes to win a championship. You can't go and win one race and you know crash in the next or blow your tire yeah. out and you know on a race run and you end up eighth or something, in which you lose points. So it's all about being smooth and consistent. And I suppose you can't win a championship in your first race or you know the season. So you've got to just um, take it as it comes and whatever whatever race results I get, I get, you know, and, and have to be happy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you changing your mindset or your training or anything for this season? Or are you just going in with, you know, you're just going to enjoy it mindset as you've done before? No, I'll just let everybody know. I just, um, I've had a wee kid there. So I think the training has sort of took a bit of a back seat there. So it has. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've sort of, I've been a dad for the last three months and, I, and that's one thing awesome. that's, it's been uh, it's pretty amazing experience. Like anybody that's that experienced it, I think the first one is always is one that they'll they'll cherish the most, I suppose. So um, that's been took more, um, you know, it's been more more of a priority than going out and sitting on a, on a watt bike, which I actually have one in my, the room I'm sitting in here now. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing hasn't spun a pedal. Um, it's just getting the it's getting the drive for me to go and sit on it and do it. I, I find it hard. So uh, yeah, I would rather yeah. go and sit down and and, um, and watch a bit of snooker, believe it or not. That's, <laughs> Can you not do the two at the same time? Uh, watch the snooker while you're on the trainer. You probably could, but again, I just like to sit down with a cup of tea and just watch the snooker. And um, uh, my mate there, Gareth and Brian, my cousin, them guys laugh because they call it the Jimmy Taper. Um, you know, you obviously hear about the, the training taper and where you taper down and then you start up again. I basically mm. taper from October to March, so. <laughs> and then I go back into the racing so that bit there I, I enjoy that side of it you know like for me it's not about like I'm not there to go out and you know I'm not there to make money I'm like we don't make any prize money at this year like it's only a bit of fun for mm-hmm. for me so yeah it's like someone going and playing um like I don't know table tennis or um squash you know on a Tuesday night it's like me I, I'm gonna go and ride my bike on a Saturday but the only thing is I can I can ride it a wee bit quicker than most people that can probably, you know, play a good squash game, I suppose. So yeah. that's, to me, I'm happy enough with just going out and riding my bike. And if I can come in a couple of top results, I'm, I'm happy. But to put a big effort of winter season training, um, I don't really have it in me. But I hope, I, I wish I could get it in me. I think whenever the wee man goes up a wee bit, I'll, um, I'll put a wee bit more effort in here and, and get knuckled into it, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I love it. I love your, I love your attitude, man. It's, it's so, it's so refreshing just to hear that. You know that it's not the end all and be all. There's more things happening in your life. Yeah, you're than right. Just the biking and, mm-hmm. you know, but it keeps the heart ticking. It keeps your passion in something. It keeps life a bit more interesting. Exactly. Not that you need it with a three-month-old kid. You know, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he, he, he's starting to enjoy it a wee bit, and he start to smile and all the rest. Like so, uh, just pretty, yeah. pretty lucky to have the wee man and. Um, I know there's people out there that are that are struggling and stuff, and uh, you know it's heartbreaking to see it. But you know you just got to get on, get on with it, you know, and and um, and take every day as it comes, I suppose. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, J Mac, how can people find you or get in contact with you or, or follow what you're up to this year? Uh, this year, I suppose. I have uh, the old Facebook there. You can catch me on that. I suppose it's just just mm-hmm. my normal name. It's James McFerrin. So if you were to type that in, or you know, even follow the psychology yeah. page, you'll see my you'll see some of the stuff on there. And then you've got I'm on uh, Instagram as well. 
So and it's just jmac underscore forty nine. So um, yeah, so just that's cool. Just pretty much just have I just basically put up stuff that you know just a bit of just a bit of fun really. You know, even like at work there yeah. pouring a cup of tea that sort of stuff. You know, it's only a bit of, it's only a bit of crack. But at the end of the day, some you know, people like to see. I watch other people's Instagram, so I'm sure. Mm-hmm. people like to watch just and have a bit of a bit of a laugh at look at that boys out today you know <laughs> so, <laughs> no i think it's cool i yeah. think people you know i think people like to see the normal side of, of guys you know what i mean it's that's, that's it, why yeah. it works well the bit that i laugh at keelan grant and all the boys are all the you know the poach wars and all that there sort of oh man up. that's hilarious oh, that's so hilarious funny. like I t- did you see keith did you see Keelan's last last post where he had the sausage? It's getting ridiculous oh, now. Right, it's going yeah. crazy. Them boys are some crack. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I struggle with the old poached eggs. I'm not great at them, but um, I, I don't think I put up too much stuff like that there. I, t- I tried to be a wee... I did put more up on Snapchat, actually. Um, <laughs> but it, the Snapchat only have about 40 friends on it, so it's only my local friends and stuff and friends and family. And they have yeah. a good laugh and... They're all whenever making a nice phone call, they're always saying, Jippers, that was some food you had, you know, that sort of thing. But um, that sort of thing, I, I just like laughing at the boys because them boys are all serious. Um, and they're, you know, they're putting in the graft and they're working. I hope every one of them boys have a good season, I suppose. And um, yeah, yeah. between all them top riders, like you've got Dan, Greg, um, Keelan, Nathan, you know, you've Jack. And if I've left anybody out, you know, and Jacob, obviously, I hope them, all them guys have a real good season, you know, at the top level. Uh, like we're only yeah. doing it for a bit of fun so again thank you for for even contacting me and, and even getting a bit of a chat i suppose no not at all you know it it takes everybody and uh I, you know the listeners want to hear kind of from everybody and a lot of the guys will know you and will know of what you've done and will have seen you around the race scene and, and everything so it's awesome to get you on i really enjoy it yeah no that's cool mate. no you're doing it pretty good for the sport i suppose like there's not too many people that um like once I heard, I heard, I think I heard Glenn and stuff on, I heard Keelan and all on, and you've done a couple mm. of other, like I think it was it surfers and stuff like that. There, you were actually into surfing, wasn't it? That's what yeah, you well, from. yeah, I've come from that. I've only been mountain biking for about three years. Yeah, well, there you go. Like so, you know, you've obviously spotted yeah. a wee bit of a, you know, a blank space there where you can talk to people and actually bring it to the, the people that actually ride this doing you know, and compete in the sport. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a good way for me to get more involved in it and because i'll never really compete at any kind of at any kind of level at all um but you know i can get more involved and i you know it's, the thing i love about it jmac is people contact you and say you know that that episode really inspired me and it's made me get off the the sofa and actually do something and i'm looking forward to getting back out in the trails and and that for me helping people and you know, giving people more of an insight into what's actually happening, it's great. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Plus, plus I would never, without the podcast, ever probably got to chat to you. So, no, you're, you pro- know, you're probably right. Yeah, not to say that, but you, you are know. probably, like, we probably never would have touched base or, you know, you maybe would have seen yeah. you on the trails, but you, it's one of them things where people see you in the car park and they'll never come over to you because they think, you know, Dippers, there's J-Mac, he's, you know, he would never speak to me, but that's a load of nonsense. Mm. Like, if anybody wants to come over and have a bit of a chat, like, Jippers, we're only human at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's crazy, and I actually interviewed, I don't know if, you've, if you're on YouTube much, but I interviewed Brian Kennedy the other night yes. from his YouTube channel, BKXC. So he's coming on the podcast. But if you'd asked me six months ago, when I started this, if I'd ever had him on the podcast, I would have just thought, there's not a chance that gentleman's ever going to come on the podcast. I know what you mean, yeah. But, 
<laughs> you know, and I would never ever have had the opportunity to speak to Brian Kennedy, and he is such a cool guy. It is un- unbelievable. Yeah, no, um, it's definitely it, it, it's a good awesome. good experience now. So it is. Yeah, totally. So before I let you go, J. Mike, have you any stories you can tell us? Any crazy stories? People love to hear crazy stories or funny things that have happened in the past. I'm sure you must have lots of them hanging around with Ken O'Brien and them guys. Uh, there's a few, yeah, there's definitely a few. There's there's a couple of good ones. Um, <laughs> it's hard to know. There's there's definitely one in Scotland that rings a bell. It was an it was an ice cream shop or something we were in, and uh, what was it? The, the Glen fella. We were basically um, it was there's a guy called Rennie Rennie Wildeberger, which are, it's that's not even how you pronounce it, but he's it's something like that. He, he's a pro and he rides for track. And um, he basically, he, he talks, he talks about, um, he talks like Arnie Schwarzenegger, basically. And it right. was, um, it was one of them ones where uh, Glenn basically ordered all the, uh, all the ice cream in, in your man's accent. And it was ab- <laughs> like me and Stevie <laughs> Bell were there, Cato, I think Nathan was there too. No, maybe Nathan wasn't there. But there was a few of us and I tell you, it was one of the funniest things. We're all on, on the floor wetting yourselves, you know, <laughs> laughing. Uh-huh. Um, the other one oh, was uh, whenever we were, uh, whenever me and my cousin Brian, um, we were heading out to a wee sand track in Dundrum, and um, the two of us loaded the bikes up, you know, into like a like a box trailer, you know, like one with a sliding door on the back of it, um, mm. proper wee motocross trailer, and we um, loaded the bikes up then and hooked the hooked like a four by four jeep onto onto it, and away away we went, and um, the two of us sort of the two of us said, you know. Did you check the, the trailer and all was on dead on? And um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I you know it's on and everything's hunky dory and the leads are all plugged in. Happy day! So we took off anyway, as you do, and just talking, having a crack. And Dundrum, the wee track was about probably about five or six minutes from maybe ten minutes from the house. And came down Brand's driveway at the time was like a steep driveway with a tight left hander on the way out. And the wee country road you were going on to, and then heading out onto the Dundrum main Newcastle road there, and then I then left into like a wee sand track. But we got to the we got to the track, and uh, there was no trailer. So the two of us looked at each other. So we had no bikes, no trailer, and the two of us are like, "What the hell? Did you not tie that trailer on?" I goes, "Well, I thought you did." And the two of us were looking at each other, and uh, I ended up driving <laughs> driving back, and there it was. It was as soon as we drove out onto the. You know, out onto the road from his driveway, the thing unhitched itself from out into the field. Oh. So it did with the two straight over the hedge. Like I was, I was busy lying in the oh, hedge, man. like literally hanging on. I don't know how we got it. I can't even remember how we got it out. But it was one of the funny. <laughs> the two of us lying at the track, you know, pulling up and no bikes, no trailer. It was, uh, it was a funny old one, you know. So it was. Oh, hilarious! <laughs> hilarious! Oh, there's yeah. some, some freaking times. Some huh? crack out there. Yeah, it definitely is. Aye brilliant well here J-Mike thanks so much for coming on the podcast I really appreciate it yes no worries and, um, I, it's awesome to get you on I know the listeners are really going to enjoy it and stuff um, you've got you've got some awesome awesome info there yeah. and uh, you've got a great background too now, so watching the snooker to watching the snooker definitely helps out of mountain biking so it does it's <laughs> in <that> coordination going <laughs> so it does brilliant. yeah so yeah, class, class. So you you'll go. have to bring out a training. You'll have to bring out a training video or something. That's how you train. Watch the snooker. I will. I'll get, I'll get the woman here to get me the tea out here and get the, get the snooker, get the snooker watching. <laughs> so oh, I just basically like watching guys that are good at their sport. You know, I'll watch them yeah. and you actually learn from that because you learn from their actual, you know, I actually learn from watching people being good at their sport. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. 
brilliant, bro, brilliant. All right, well, here, well, thanks thank, again. Yeah, thank dude. you too. I really appreciate it, and have a good evening. All right. Yes, cheers, buddy. Thank you. All the best. Bye. Cheers, bye. Guys, I hope you enjoyed episode number 32 of the MTV Tribe podcast and J-Mac. Thanks so much, man, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it and I really, really enjoyed having a chat with you. Um, You're a super interesting guy and the sooner I can go out in the trails with you, the better because I am really enjoying that uh, that bit of crack and fun with you. Um, So thanks so much, man, again. I I really appreciate it. And folks, if you want to know a wee bit more about J-Mac and what he's at and what he's up to, go to the show notes at www.mtb-tribe.com go on to jmac's episode and scroll down you'll see all the show notes there there's also a link to the episode which you can download and listen to on your laptop or, or wherever you may do that you can also listen to it directly from the website and remember it's all free so it's all good nothing to worry about you can also listen via itunes and stitcher if that's the way you prefer to do that and if you are on itunes i would really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes out of your day just leave a review on itunes for the show please and share share with friends always awesome to hear about that it really helps the show get recognized and helps more people come in and listen to the the show and just lets me be on here a wee bit more and keeps me more interested in it and getting you guys the good info so the more people involved the more feedback i get and it helps the show down the line so that would be awesome i appreciate that you can also follow us on socials instagram is mtv tribe and facebook is the same mtv tribe so please do that shout out give us a share whatever you want to do that's cool and if you want to subscribe to the show and get updates and get the odd email now and then you're not going to get spammed or anything like that don't worry about it you can just go to the show it's www.mtv-tribe.com and you can subscribe there send me a message i do read all the messages i receive and get back to everybody so if you want to do that and get in contact that would be awesome and i've also some exciting news about new mtb tribe race jerseys i put a wee post up about 10 days ago and got real good Uh, feedback so please keep an eye for that it will be in the social media and uh, see if you want one you can pre-order just pm me or whatever You'll, you'll get all the info on social media so thanks for listening guys i appreciate it all the best see you in the trails